the words from John's Gospel, chapter 1, about the baptism of Jesus. The next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this this is the Son of God. Friends, this is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You um, may notice if you see me out in the world or if you see me in the office during the week, I don't wear a lot of colorful clothes. I'm one of those drab men who just wears a lot of khaki pants and, uh, you know, dress shirts. I wear kind of dark colors, grays, blacks, things like that. I don't use a lot of colors, and there's a really important reason for that. Not only it's because I don't have a very good fashion sense, and so I need the magazines to tell me what to wear. It's also because I have a little bit of an issue with colors. I have a color defect. Uh, If you have ever looked at those uh, things in psychology magazines or biology magazines uh, where they have all the little dots, and if if you've ever had an eye exam, maybe you've had this, all those little dots and there's a number on the inside, I can only see about a third of the numbers. I can't see all the numbers. I have issues with red and green and blue and violet. Those are all the colors that I have an issue with. And it's really, I think, sort of funny that I have issues with red and green and my last name is Holly, right? It's pretty funny. Now, I will tell you, I will tell you that this pretty much doesn't really affect me other than when I was in algebra back in the day before they had PowerPoint and all that, we had an overhead projector and those little clear kind of sheets of whatever it was, it was kind of like a plastic and the teacher would use a green pen for one uh, line and a red pen for the other and I couldn't tell the difference between the two. In fact, you may remember that back in the day, Stoplights used to be colored glass with like a white bulb behind it. And it was easy for me to tell when it was red or green because the top light was red and the bottom light was green. I could tell it as I got closer, but if I was at a distance sort of approaching a stoplight, I wasn't able to tell. Now that they've moved to LED lights, I can tell the difference. If you showed me real red and real green on a piece of paper, I could point them out. Try to mix them together like a tartan and I will not be able to tell you what colors they are. Everything I thought would be fine in my life because the top is red and the bottom is green, right? The top is red because it tells me to stop. It's a sign, right? A sign to say stop. The bottom is green. It tells me to go. It's a sign. It tells me what to do. And then I started driving in downtown Augusta, Georgia, about 30 minutes away from where I grew up. I was a high schooler. I had to go to Augusta for something. And all the stoplights are sideways. I didn't know what to do. 
I couldn't figure out what was stop and what was go. And so I just would stay there until somebody else went or and somebody honked their horn at me. And I figured, is this, is this it? Do I go? Do I go? And I kind of inched out a little bit. Nothing happened. So I just would go. I couldn't read the sign. Couldn't read the sign because of my color defect. Signs are important in our lives, aren't they? Signs are vital. Signs are important because they help us understand what we are supposed to do and when. Several months ago, uh, Ross and I had to fly uh, somewhere for a church conference. And uh, I did not get a lot of sleep on our flight home to Birmingham. Our flight was delayed uh, from Kansas back to Birmingham to the point at which we didn't land in Atlanta until about 1 a.m. And they got us a, a separate hotel rooms and we went there for about four hours and we had to get back, back to the airport so that we could fly at like 7 a.m. back to Birmingham. I got maybe two hours of sleep. And you know what happens when I don't get my sleep? I am basically a walking zombie, even with some coffee. And I was not following the signs. I was in danger of getting us arrested by TSA because I was walking in the wrong directions. Signs are important. They tell us what to do and where to go. And often our signs in the world have not only words, but colors and pictures to make it absolutely clear what we need to know, what we need to understand, and what we need to see. I'm telling you all of this because we're beginning a journey today in the Gospel of John looking at signs. Looking at signs. The next seven weeks are about the miracles, the amazing things that Jesus did within the Gospel of John. And John calls these miracles, these events, signs. He doesn't call them miracles or amazing. He calls them signs. And these signs are meant to point to something. If you were to read the Gospels of Mark or Luke or John, most of the miracles don't have an explanation behind them. They're just amazing, right? But John always wants us to understand that these amazing moments are more than just moments. They're supposed to reveal something to us. They are signs, not like physical signs I've mentioned with colors and, and clear understandings. But these miracles, these events are signs that point to something more. These signs are important. We're starting a, a sermon series called uh, The Seven Signs or Seven Vital Signs in the book of John. And these signs point to the meaning and the reality of who Jesus Christ is as our Lord and Savior. They point to who he is and what his life means. And it all begins with John the Baptist. Today it is the first Sunday after the Epiphany. Now, what is the Epiphany? The Epiphany is the feast within the church that celebrates the wise men, the three magi, right? The people that came bearing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that technically uh, fell this past week. You've heard the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, right? And it falls 12 days after Christmas Day. 12 days of Christmas. That's a real 
theologically sound song, except for the partridges and the pear tree and all that stuff. Okay? Twelve days to the epiphany. And the wise men show up with the gold and frankincense and myrrh. And why are they showing up with those things? It reveals that Jesus is the Son of God, the King of the world. He needs to be honored. In fact, the word epiphany means manifestation. It's sort of a revealing of the true nature of who Jesus is. And the first Sunday after we celebrate epiphany is baptism of the Lord's Sunday, where we remember Jesus was baptized. And why do we skip so much time in his life? Because the Bible doesn't teach very much about his young years, other than a moment where he was left at the temple by his parents and he was teaching everyone. It isn't until Jesus is somewhere in his early 30s that we see him again and it is at the river, the Jordan River. Remember when we do baptisms here and we mention that a little few drops of water are put into our font from the Jordan River where Jesus Jesus was baptized. This is the river where John the Baptist, his cousin, was baptizing people, asking them to repent of their sins and to get ready for God's Messiah to arrive. He tells us in today's passage, you know, this is the one who I said was coming, who ranks above me. And here we have the moment where Jesus is baptized. The first Sunday after the epiphany, when we have the idea that Jesus is truly revealed as who he is, we then have his baptism where again, he's revealed as who he is. John says it more clearly than any other gospel in the baptism. Every other point of the baptism, it's the word of God who says who Jesus is. This is my son, the beloved in whom I'm well pleased. But John's gospel tells it a little bit more clearly for us because he wants us to understand what all these future signs will point to. Did you notice in today's reading that the baptism is not actually mentioned? It's told about, right? John is not telling us this is what happened at the baptism. He's saying, hey, I already baptized him, this guy right here who's coming towards us, and this is what I saw. We don't get the live story of the baptism. We get the report after the fact. The signs that we will encounter in the Gospel of John point back to who Jesus is revealed to be. Jesus is God's chosen one. He is the Lamb of God and he is God's own son. The signs, the miracles, the events that we will look at have a lot of important meaning to them. And they, again, help us and the readers for centuries who read them to understand how and why Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Lamb of God. He is God's chosen one. What does it mean that Jesus is God's chosen one? Did you notice that that John says, just like the other Gospels, that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove? So the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus, sort of flies down from heaven and lands on Jesus, and it anoints him. That word anoint is really important. If you've ever heard of anointing with oil, we typically do that in the Christian church nowadays for people who are sick. We anoint their head with oil. But in the Old Testament, the anointing of someone was really about anointing them for leadership, specifically anointing them to be a king. 
David is anointed to be king as a child, a tiny little shepherd boy. He's anointed as king before he even becomes king. But he's anointed with oil because that's the sign that he will be the one in charge. He, you know, the kings were anointed by prophets, usually. Leaders on earth, human beings. But here we have God's own son, the Lamb of God, John tells us, with the dove descending. God is anointing him. God is revealing who he is. Because he's someone more significant than we've ever seen before. If you want to go back and read the Gospel of John, chapter 1, before we get to verse 29, you know that John reveals Jesus to be the light of the world, the Son of God, the Word made flesh. We talked about this at Christmas. It's important for us to understand that John, at his baptism, reminds us, reveals to us again who Jesus is. And all the signs that he will share with us point back to who he is. There's a painting of John the Baptist um, in uh, a famous, famous, famous art gallery somewhere. And in this painting of John the Baptist, uh, there's a lamb nearby, right? Because he points out the Lamb of God. And he's holding almost like a Bible or a scroll of some kind. And behind John the Baptist, there is uh, Jesus upon the cross, So there's the Lamb of God, there's the Son of God on the cross, there is John the Baptist holding a Bible, and do you know what John the Baptist is doing in the picture? Other than holding a Bible or Scripture, do you know what he's doing? He's pointing. He's pointing to the cross. John the Baptist exists within Scripture as a sign, a sort of you know, preemptive announcement of who Jesus is. And so in the painting, all that John does is point to Jesus. He is a kind of a living sign. Hey, do you know what this Bible is about? It's about him. On this Sunday, as we are sort of beginning our journey about the signs of Jesus, one of the things that we need to understand is that we have a job as well. We have a role as a sign We have been baptized, many of us. We have been baptized and we have become part of Christ's family. We've received God's Holy Spirit. We have received his grace. It's begun its work in us. And part of what we celebrate every time anyone is baptized is that they become part of the family of God, the church, right? We are tied together by our baptism. In fact, if you think about it, Baptism reveals to us, unlike the world where it tells you that blood is thicker than water, right? Family's more important than anything else. The church is the one place where we tell you water is thicker than blood. Because our baptism unites us together in a family so close that it should never be divided against itself. In fact, that's why some rural churches or even uh, some churches that are just, you know, real, 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 real spirit-filled don't call each other by first names like y'all call me Mike. They call each other brother and sister, right? They call them family members. When we're baptized, our life is given over to God's kingdom and to God's family, and we become sons. And when we live out in the world, our job is is to be like that painting of John the Baptist. Our job in the world is not simply to be who you are, to do what you do. 
even though God uniquely gifted you with those gifts and strengths to use in the world, your life, your agency in this world is about more than simply just being you. It's about being the best version of you and the version of you who points to Jesus. Every one of us should be a living sign that points to Jesus. Have you ever seen those billboards that are on the road? Sometimes you'll see them in downtown Birmingham and the the billboards usually even say something like, have you met God? Read this Bible verse or call this phone number. I've always wanted to call one of those numbers and see what they do. You know, those billboards often don't threaten you. Some do, of course. Most of the time, these billboards don't threaten you. They say, do you know Jesus? Have you heard of Jesus? Have you read this passage, right? Think about all those strange, weird people, no offense to anybody, who take off their shirt at games, football games, when it's like 32 degrees outside and they paint John 316 on their forehead or on their body. They're kind of signs pointing to Jesus, aren't they? You probably don't want me to do that, I'm sure. Signs pointing to someone else. That's who Christians are. We're signs pointing to Jesus. When we live, when we care, when we share, when we serve, we're signs pointing to Jesus. Now, are we perfect signs? No. Do we fail? Yes. But the more that we grow in our faith, the more that we embrace our baptism, we can become signs that lead people to Jesus. I hope and pray that as we take this journey throughout the Gospel of John, looking at these signs and how they reveal the true nature of who Jesus is and what his life means, that every Sunday you're also asking yourself, what kind of sign am I? How am I pointing to Jesus? How am I pointing to a better life? How am I pointing towards God's grace? Am I showing God to the world? Am I kind of like those old traffic lights with a white bulb and red or green glass kind of barely giving off a sign? Or am I a brand new LED stoplight that shines so red, so green that even somebody who's defected like me can see it? What kind of a sign are you? How are you pointing towards Jesus? Remember your baptism. Remember your baptism. Remember how your life became one with Jesus and how you have been called and loved and transformed to be a better son than you ever were before. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us, and I hope that you found this message to be meaningful and life-giving. I look forward to you joining us next time, either on our live stream on Sunday mornings here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. It's at 10 o'clock a.m., or if you want to join us in person, you're welcome to do so also here at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. You can find out more about our church family, who we are, what we do, and how to get involved as well as more information about our worship services at www.bluffparkumc.org. Hope you have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you next time.